0: Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Glad you're here. Is anybody ready to hear a message, get in the word? Let's do that. Before uh, I even give you a scripture, I'll do a a quick kind of intro and recap. Actually, I'm going to take a drink because I'm struggling. There it is. So about a month ago, a little over a month ago, I preached a message called The New Normal and introduced the concept of the kingdom of heaven. So the the phrase The New Normal just came from something in prayer, talking to the Lord, where I I feel like, you know, the scripture that says we go from glory to glory. So how many of you know he's always taking us higher from one one level to another? It's always bigger. It's always better. When When you commit to growing with God, he always has more. And so the thought is that was what in past seasons was new in the current season would now become normal. Good things, right? So maybe, even introduced this last time, maybe uh, healing is new to you. Maybe you're new to this church, you're like, I didn't grow up in a church that prayed for people and saw physical healing. So maybe it's new in this season, but I would encourage you, if you continue on this path, what was once new will become normal. It will be a normal byproduct of your life. So different concepts like that spiritually. But also to prove the point, we just talked about a few natural things, and Made the joke, which is semi-joke, a semi-reality, that if you're a newlywed and you get married, the first time you fight, it's going to feel like new and extreme and all that. But if you just continue with the marriage, it'll be really normal. It'll just be a byproduct of your life every day, challenging conversations, you know. But, and then we even talked about technology. Like, remember when Facebook was new and someone shouted out MySpace and we're like, get out, get out of the building, don't talk about MySpace. Just kidding, but I remember Facebook came out my senior year of college and everyone's just like, didn't know what to do and they were just poking everyone. I'm like, you're still poking people on Facebook. You got problems, people. You got problems. It's time to move on. We talked about the internet. Remember dial-up internet? It's like, can you imagine if your four-year-old had dial-up on his iPad, he would literally lose his mind. And the fact that four-year-olds have iPads, it's true. We're weak, we give it to them. But, But the point is, there are lots of things that were once new that have now become normal. You see it with natural things. And I believe spiritually that that's God's heart. And we introduced the concept that, that the kingdom of heaven might be new. Just the phrase even might be new to many of you in this room. You, you may not have grown up in church where the kingdom of heaven was something that was really talked about. But as I shared a little over a month ago, I believe that this is God's heart, that it's one of the primary, if not the primary filters and perspectives by which you should process your spiritual journey and the reason is it's because what Jesus talked about it is what he talked about it is what he went around teaching and demonstrating and you read all the parables where the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like so news flash he didn't come preaching christianity and christianity is a good thing if you mean i'm a follower of jesus and i'm a christian yes that's a good thing but jesus didn't come preaching christianity he came preaching teaching and demonstrating the kingdom of heaven, from which he was sent. So we learned that last time, that that yes, they're one in three and three in the same, but you could say the Father created the Son in heaven, by heaven, for heaven, and sent him to earth to carry the culture of heaven. And there's tons of scripture. If you want to listen to the message, you can go back on, I think it was February 4th, but you can go back and listen. But that was Jesus' assignment, to teach and demonstrate the culture, the kingdom of heaven, which he came from, and we learned our assignment is to teach and demonstrate Jesus. So what we learned is they're one and the same. Remember John the Baptist said, you know, I, I'm, I'm preaching repentance. The one coming after me whose sandals are not worthy to carry. He'll baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. And John is fulfilling his assignment of, of uh, preparing the way for Jesus. And the, right before Jesus shows up on the scene, John the Baptist says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's like, hang on, I feel something different. <laughs> the kingdom's here. And then Jesus walks up. It's me. He represents the fullness of the kingdom. He carries the culture of heaven. That's why he said, This is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. So he came teaching and demonstrating the kingdom of heaven. And our job is to teach and demonstrate Jesus, which is the same thing. So, newsflash once again, it's not Christianity. There's nothing wrong with that except that it's limited in thinking. Because even salvation through Christian thinking is very limited, which we'll get into a little bit. And I don't I'm gonna have to hold myself back again. I don't want to preach the whole message before I start in going down this flow. So why don't we do this? Why don't we read a scripture? Luke 4, verse 43. We shared this. Uh, I shared this when I, when I did the New Normal. And so if you are taking notes, this is the New Normal, part two. And the title is The True Gospel. The True Gospel. So Luke 4, 43, Jesus said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. So Jesus is going around performing many signs, wonders, and miracles, and mobs of people are following Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, I know you want help. I know you have needs. It's like, you know, they're trying to wring out a sponge and get everything they came from Jesus, which is what probably you and I would do if we were around him. But Jesus said, look, I will help you, but I have to go. This is so important. This message is so important. I have to travel around and share this message with other towns, not just you. And he said, as we just read, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. So the word gospel literally means good news. It means good news or good tidings. So in Romans 1, 16 through 17, Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of the good news, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul uses the word ashamed in talking about the gospel, because it is, as we will get into, so extravagant, so extreme, so good, it's almost almost uncomprehendable how good it is. So Paul is saying, look, I'm actually unashamed of this good news. And I was praying about this studying and uh, a few weeks back and just thinking that's so good that he used that word because I want to share this point. I think shame keeps us from experiencing the gospel or God's power. You know, you've probably heard this before, a really practical example, but comparison is a faith killer. Like you can't compare your journey to other people's and sit there and look at everybody else and you're not focusing on growing yourself or how God feels about you. But at the same point, just like comparison, shame is also a faith killer. You know why? Because the Bible says that this whole thing's about faith. And you do have to understand this. We're saved by grace through faith. And you do have to understand that even grace and faith are a gift from God. Everything good comes from God first. You can't manufacture it apart from his goodness. So if you have grace in your life, if you have faith in your life, it's because he gave it to you. But you do have to activate it. You do have to take steps, like salvation, that confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have to play a part in confession and in believing, so you're activating your faith. So this whole thing is about faith. The good news, the gospel, salvation is all about faith. So when Paul says, I'm unashamed of the gospel... He's saying you can't have shame and also have faith. You can't live in shame and also live in faith. You know why? This is what I believe. I believe believe faith is trusting in a God that you can't always see and trusting that he loves you. And I think shame is trusting in people or yourself that you can see and that they don't love you or that you don't love you. It's focusing so much on what people think sometimes even yourself, that you get so wrapped up in what you're not, you have guilt and shame and condemnation, which we just learned is a faith killer. You can't live in faith and hold on to shame. That's why Jesus paid the price over 2,000 years ago on the cross. He wiped away your guilt and shame. You just have to embrace it and believe it. So you can't live in shame shame. And live by faith. Our spiritual journey is all about faith. Faith is trusting in a God you can't see and that he loves you. Shame is trusting in a people that you can see and that they don't. Because remember in Hebrews it says this, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So also you can't focus on what you see and live by faith. You can't focus on natural circumstances more than the spiritual truth in his word and think you're living by faith. It happens all the time. You can use finances as a practical example that I went through recently. But it, So let me just clear this up. I'm not saying that there that you shouldn't want wisdom and that that you shouldn't be practical in certain scenarios, but not at the expense of faith. So I believe in being practical if you're preparing and, you know, uh, dotting your I's and crossing your T's and being excellent and doing your due diligence and so having a budget with finances is good but not focus on it focusing on it so much that you're disconnecting from the truth in his word and believing in this God that can do anything. So it's happened to me the other day I shared this with first service but we just each year I've made a little bit more money you know I've been promoted had raises the last few years of my life so I've never naturally made less when it comes to salary or income but for some reason with life I guess Somehow it's like expenses just keep going, even if you budget, at least for me. So we budgeted. We've done different things. We haven't added bills or bought a bigger house or done different things. That, that, that's fine, too. But we haven't done those natural things, and yet I'm looking up going, why don't we have more cushion? Like what, anybody else? <laughs> why don't we have more cushion? Jesus, I need more money. And so I was sitting there doing this the other day and just processing, and this thought, which, which is true, this thought came to my mind. Well, the one thing I have done is I've given more. So as I've made more money, I've consistently given more money. I'm like, should I give less? Don't act like I'm the only one. <laughs> Don't. So you're like, I was thinking that yesterday. <clears throat> How dare you, pastor? I was just like, what? <laughs> right? So I'm looking at the numbers and I'm like, mm, something's not adding up. And all I know Is that As I just stared at the numbers and was processing and thinking budgeting, I just got stressed out. And I I was just in a bad mood, and I was just in a funk, and I was like, what is going on? This doesn't feel like the kingdom that I preach and that I embrace, but I also know you. But that one was like really small, like not as loud of a voice, you know? And so I was just like in a funk throughout the day, and then finally I calmed down. I was like, all right, Lord, you got to talk to me. And he spoke really clearly, and he was like, yeah, you just stopped living in faith. You stopped practicing what you preach because you were so focused on the natural numbers and circumstances and not the truth in my word. Have I ever let you down? Faith is trust. Have you stopped trusting me? Like, am I not going to provide just because what you see on paper? Come on. He started addressing these things in my heart. And then I go out with a friend and random story. And then he ends up sticking cash in my hand. The Lord told him to. And I'm like, of course. It's just like, I wasn't asking for anything, but God just kept doing it. And we're looking at doing a project around our house. and got a bid from a couple friends and processing through this. And we're like, well, I can budget this much, but I can't do the whole thing. And then someone calls and pays for the whole thing. <laughs> oh, the Lord's just like, do you trust me? <laughs> Are you going to look at the numbers? And, it's like, and I'm like, well, I hope not next time. Like, next time I hope I don't. But it's like, it's just life, right? But that is, it, it is a great faith challenge. You can look at the natural. I believe in the natural. I believe in being practical. I believe in budgeting. Not at the expense of faith. Not at the expense of the truth in his word that believes in a God that can do the impossible. So in other words, your natural doesn't matter if it's impossible. He's just bigger. He's better. This is who he is. You can't focus on what you see and live by faith. Here's a perfect funny illustration. It's like the, the equivalent of my four-year-old son when he wants to play hide-and-seek. He's like, Dad, let's play hide-and-seek. You count to 10, I'm going to hide in the pantry. I'm like, I'm like ah, I don't think it's hide-and-seek anymore. I don't think you're getting it. Of course, I just play along and we have fun. But how many of you know the moment he tells me where he's hiding, it stops being hide-and-seek? Well, the same is true. The moment you start looking at the natural more than the spiritual, it stops being faith. Stops being faith. Well, the natural matters. Yes, it's just inferior. Look, I I say this all the time, but a spiritual being created the universe. A spiritual being. Is God natural? Yes, but he's first spiritual. A spirit being created the natural world, created you as a spirit being with a natural body. Spirit first. Spirit first. You can't focus on what you see and live by faith. The moment you start looking at the natural circumstances more than spiritual truth, in his word, it stops being faith. Paul said, as we mentioned, he's not ashamed of the gospel because of the power that's in it. As we said earlier, gospel literally means good tidings or good news. You know, I had a friend who's actually here today sent me an email, and it kind of was like this bomb that went off inside of me as I was processing. and always process, love to process grace and faith and different concepts, and he sent me an email that was this article written uh, by this magazine or this company. And they shared this information that's really amazing. It's this the Greek word translated gospel in 74 New Testament verses was so rare in writings outside of the New Testament that it's only found twice in extra biblical manuscripts. So the word gospel, which we're about to define with a, a, a new normal definition, was only found twice. In extra-biblical concepts, manuscripts. The reason is because it not only means good news, but it also means this phrase that I want to introduce you today. And would ask that that gospel, that this definition of gospel, would become the new normal because this is the true biblical definition and why it's only found twice outside of the Bible. The gosp- gospel literally means nearly too good to be true news. See, that makes sense to me because as soon as I hear that, I'm like, "Why? wait, so it was only found twice outside of the Bible. I'm like, well, of course. There's no other context other than the greatest love story ever told where the gospel and the good news actually makes any sense because it is too good to be true. It, it is so good we can't physically wrap our minds around a God that would send his son as a perfect sacrifice for us in exchange He would put him in our place and we would take everything bad would be on him and we get everything good. That doesn't make sense. It's so extreme and appearingly so exaggerated that we can't wrap our minds or our intellect around it. And that's the whole point. That it takes faith. But that's the definition in the Bible. The true gospel is nearly too good to be true news. You know, most Christian culture sums up the gospel like this. You're a sinner, and if you don't repent and accept Jesus, you're going to hell. Anybody ever heard that? Or from your parents or your Sunday school teacher? <laughs> Here's the interesting thing about it. It's true. But it's not the gospel. It's a true statement. I believe we shared, I think I said it in this uh in this service today too, but Romans 9, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. You do play a part. You you are, you do have a conditional sin nature when you are born, which is why you need to run to Jesus, submit it to him so he can give you a new nature. So you do have a sin nature. And if you don't accept Jesus, I do believe hell is the destination. But can I also tell you this? He didn't actually create hell for you. Even that little perspective, it's a big deal. You're like, well, how can a loving God create hell for his children? He didn't. It's for the demons. It's for the fallen angels. He didn't create it as like, yeah, yeah, this is where I'm going to send them if they mess up. Where were you created? In Christ Jesus, who, by the way, was created in heaven, by heaven, for heaven. Most Christian culture says if you're a sinner, if you don't repent, You're going to hell. And that is the gospel. That is the main message. That is the stamp that they stand on. The only problem is it's not the gospel. It's not the message Jesus preached. We're like, well, it's in the Bible. Yeah, there are a couple scriptures of it in the Bible. But Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. It's a different message. Did he tell the woman caught in adultery that you're going to hell? You don't change. He tell the woman at the well, it's a different message. It doesn't mean he doesn't bring challenge or correction or discipline at times. But he's not a punisher. Like, the, the I, I met a guy recently this weekend and he was like, you're a preacher, right? He's like, well, he's like, I'm gonna tell you something I've never told anyone. Like, that's what happens when you're a preacher. It's actually fun though. And he, but he at least felt comfortable enough to share something that was really, really cool. And he just said, he's like, you know, we, we had a, my wife and I had a premature son and you know, he was in the NICU for six months and he was only you know, a couple pounds when he was born. And he's like, he's like, the deal is, I wanted a son. It was this amazing experience. And then that happens and immediately my wife just started having these thoughts. This is God punishing us because of an abortion she had years ago. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And it was so cool because he was like, no, God's not like that. I'm like, yes, yes, he's not. That, that, that's not the gospel at all. The gospel said it's, it says it's his goodness and kindness that leads to repentance, which is changing the way you think, believing he is actually a loving father that's perfect, has amazing plans for you. It's like that is not the message in the kingdom, in Jesus, that is not the primary message of the gospel. He does not punish us for mistakes. There is a difference in guidance and correction and advice and discipline, but punishing someone for a mistake he'd have to go back to the cross again. He paid the price over 2,000 years ago on the cross. So if you're living with shame, you're trying to put him back on the cross. He's not going to die again. He paid the price so that you could live free of guilt and shame and run to your father. This is the gospel. So extreme, appearingly exaggerated, it sounds nearly... Too good to be true, because that's exactly what it is. It's the greatest love story that's ever been told between a perfect father and his children. It's a story of God and humanity, also known as the gospel, the true gospel. Nearly too good to be true. Here's a question. How many of you grew up in church? Most of your life you grew up in church. And, and just be honest, if, if the answer is yes, that's great. How many of you heard messages growing up in church that sounded, let's just start with one. How many of you heard one message growing up that sounded so extreme, exaggerated that it was nearly too good to be true? Anybody? Hold your hand. Let's say maybe half, maybe, probably more like a quarter of the people. So if you did, that's awesome. But if you didn't, it simply means you never heard the true gospel. You might have heard about salvation and being saved, but let's even think about this. So salvation itself, the Christian perspective, which I'm just, just allow me, please. The Christian perspective is limited. I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus in in the context of what it means to people. I am a Christian. But Jesus didn't come with a Christian message. He came with a kingdom message. That's why Christian salvation, most churches would preach salvation Exactly like that. You're a sinner, you get saved, you get a ticket to heaven one day. Good luck on earth. It's true, but that's not even true salvation because Romans 10, nine, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. It is salvation. It's the word sozo in Greek and it means full healing, full deliverance, full prosperity, body, soul, and spirit. Sounds like Heaven. He's offering a taste. He's offering more than that, but it is a taste of heaven. It's available to all of us. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean the world doesn't have brokenness. It just means there's a greater, superior, spiritual reality that God is trying to get in our hearts so that it can manifest on earth. Salvation. It's true salvation that is nearly too good to be true. That's the true gospel. It's not condemnation and judgment and hellfire. It's so limiting. Romans 2, 4, as I shared, it's his goodness or his kindness that leads to repentance, that leads to transformation, that leads to a renewed mind, that leads to a a different perspective that embraces a loving father. So many of us have grown up in church. Others haven't, but almost all of us, the same would be true that out of all of us, most of us have not heard the true gospel most of our life. We have to begin to embrace this gospel, the nearly too good to be true gospel. The common misconception is salvation is a one-time occurrence where your sins are forgiven and you get a ticket to heaven. It's partially true, but it's not entirely true. Salvation represents the fullness of what Jesus paid for on the cross. It's not a Christian ticket to get to heaven one day. It's a kingdom invitation to live like heaven now. And when we embrace the kingdom of heaven now, we embrace the nearly too good to be true gospel. What do you need? What do you need in your life? Like, what shortage is there? Do you need physical healing? Because if you believe the message that Jesus carries is too good to be true, much easier to embrace healing. When you need a, a marriage restored, family restoration, reconciliation. When you believe the gospel is so extreme and so exaggerated that it sounds too good to be true, it'd be a lot easier to embrace restoration and reconciliation. There's nothing there's nothing. When the Bible says it takes us from glory to glory, he's always taking us from good to better to best. From small to medium to large, he's always advancing. The kingdom is always advancing and always pushing and moving us to grow and embrace more of his goodness. Look, you cannot do this without embracing the father. I don't know if we say it all the time, but you need to hear it all the time. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. And he only does what the Father tells him to do, and he only says what the Father tells him to say. So we learned this last time, that God sent Jesus to teach and demonstrate the kingdom. And our mission is to teach and demonstrate Jesus, which is also the kingdom. It is embracing the kingdom, and it is the Father's kingdom. I've met so many people that they have... Such a hard time embracing and receiving God as a loving father. But can I just tell you something? If Jesus did it, you should too. Say, well, I didn't have a good dad. Doesn't matter. There's no dad that's perfect other than him. We all go through things. We all have hurts. We all have wounds. We all have insecurities. We all have shortcomings. We all have shame. We all have guilt. We all. We all fail to hit the mark or reach the mark or the bar that we set. But he's, the Father is always inviting us into a greater relationship with him. And can tell you how the whole, the whole thing starts. You're like, well, what do I do today? The whole thing starts with just pausing and waiting and receiving from him. Because anything that you generate in your life or that you create or you produce apart from the presence of God and receiving from him first and foremost, you will have to maintain in your strength and your grace, and you don't have enough. But if you abide in his presence and you wait, those who wait upon the Lord will have renewed strength. Mount up with like eagles, and run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. You'll have renewed strength, which is grace and strength from the Father to carry out your assignment, the will He has for your life, the amazing plans He has for your life. And I said this recently, but I really believe this to help you practically. Most people that I know who are constantly just go, 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 always on the move struggle with their identity. They struggle with knowing how the Father sees them and having this security, so they're always having to do to try to prove themselves for other people and themselves. It's like, I gotta start this, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. I gotta make more money so that people see I have money and believe I have value because I have money. I gotta have these relationships so people see that I have these relationships so I will feel validated from people. It's all backwards. And look, just to encourage you, and we can kind of land with this, that is Isaiah forty thirty one. It talks about running and walking. Running... And not growing weary walking and not fainting so it's it's there is this pace of life that can be different you 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 might be a mover and shaker personality and have a lot of energy and excitement and you're a go-getter and that could be from god but you also might be more of like the patient waiter this and that that could also be from god so it's not necessarily the pace it's that you haven't waited you have to wait if you don't have this time with the father where you know how he feels about you more than any other person on the planet, you're gonna fall short. The the number one thing, the number one thing you have to know is you have to know you're a son or daughter. You have to know that your identity is sealed in him, in the father, and that he loves you. This sounds crazy. He loves you no matter what you do. That, that, you know, my kids, my two boys could never do anything to make me love them more or love them less. They could fall short of the mark and make mistakes. They already do. And, and I want amazing things for them and I have plans and ideas for them. But nothing changes the love that I have as a father for my kids. That is who he is. More than anything else, he's a father that wants to tell you today the nearly too good to be true news and gospel that he loves you no matter what. He just wants you to embrace this. Go on the journey where the new normal embracing the kingdom would also be the new normal of embracing a gospel that sounds so extravagant and so exaggerated, you can't even comprehend it because that's when you know you're finally getting it and understanding the true gospel. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.